Hey, Sober Girls. Every life choice you make has an impact, and some choices are just easier than others. An easy choice for me has been adding Exact Nature CBD into my daily routine. Exact Nature's products can help curb cravings while promoting the positive changes in mood, focus, and my favorite, sleep. These are all part of getting and staying sober. They're available in oils, soft gels, and gummies, and in varying strengths and formulas. What I love most about Exact Nature is I know the quality is top tier and safe because their products are made by people in recovery for people in recovery. Go to exactnature.com to get 20% off your order. Use code SOBERGIRL20 at checkout. Being positive is a choice. Exact Nature just makes it easier. Welcome to a Sober Girl's Guide podcast, a lifestyle podcast based on sobriety and recovery. I'm your host and sober girl, Jessica Jabot. Inspired by my own sobriety and wellness journey, I want to spread the wealth of knowledge. Tune in each week for uncensored conversations about mental health, self-development, wellness and spirituality, and how they influence each guest's unique recovery journey. My goal is to educate and inspire and to let you know you are not alone on your recovery journey. Thanks so much for tuning in to a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Let's go! Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 199 of a Sober Girls Guide podcast. Our friend Laura McCowan is back on the podcast and this time with a new book and a new outlook on relationships. On this episode, we talk all about love addiction, codependency, and anxious attachment, and how it plays into our relationships, and in turn, how it affects us and our mental and physical state. This is such a fantastic episode. Let's get into it. Laura, how are you? I'm great. Been a while. Yeah, we figured it's either three or four years. Yeah, that's a good chunk of time. It just it flies by when you're having fun, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I mean, the big question is like, what has happened in three years? What like, hasn't happened? Right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially for you, uh, new book. I think when we last talked, uh, We Are the Luckiest was just coming out or just about to come out. I we, think that's right. We chatted yeah, before. early 2020 or mm-hmm. late 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Which was so a lifetime ago, pre-pandemic, yeah. pre, pre all of that. Yeah. So wow. innocent, so young. <laughs> we didn't know. We had no idea what was in store for us. And here we are. We came out the other side. We did. Oh, man. Sort of. (laughs) In some shape. Well, bits and pieces made it out. Right. (laughs) And now you have a whole new book, Push Off From Here, which I definitely want to get into. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to talk a little bit, since it is Valentine's Day, we're recording this on Valentine's Day. I want to talk about love and dating and sobriety and how that all comes together or tries to come together in my situation. Um, What has been your experience? I mean, I know I Mm. saw on Instagram that you got engaged. I did. Yeah. 
Let's actually start there. If you don't mind, like tell us about your relationship. How did you find him? Mm -hmm. Like give us the secrets. (laughs) Where should we be looking? (laughs) Well, yeah, no, I'll sure. I'll start there. We, we met in 2020, right. uh, A few months into the pandemic. So in May of 2020, um, we, I started pandemic dating was very interesting and kind of cool in a way mm-hmm. because it forced, you only had a couple of options to hang out and they were outside, at least yeah. for me, that's what I was comfortable with. So there were yeah. lots of walks and, yes. uh, we took many walks, uh, before we ever hung out anywhere behind a closed door, whether it was a house or a coffee shop with masks on or whatever, Right. Uh, so it was actually kind of amazing and it it mo- moved things slower than I had ever experienced before, which is very good for me. Yeah. Uh, and not always my track record. Prior to meeting him, I had done a lot of dating and a lot of work and a lot that the relationship thing was the most painful part of mm. my life, really. Uh, it, Interesting. How come? Yeah. Th- um, I mean, this is, it's the reason I'm, this is going to be the topic of my third book Okay, (laughs) because it requires a whole book. Yeah. You know, I think I have, like many people, uh, a lot of attachment issues. I had challenges growing up that set me up to not have great relationships with men romantically. Yeah. and in in other cases with friendships and things, but since we're talking about love, that's where I felt it most acutely. And it also, uh, like many people, I had created this sort of fantasy of what mm-hmm. someone could, what the ideal person and love would deliver me, and that it would mm-hmm. save me from myself, yes. basically, and and save me from it would be the answer to everything that pained me, all the ways life was difficult, it would give me, it would fill that hole, that giant gaping hole that I felt. And there's so many reasons why that was the case. And I didn't know that that's what I was doing for most of my life. Um, Even though I knew, I always felt a little differently about how I viewed relationships or how I acted in them or how I, much I wanted them. Yeah. I always felt very embarrassed about it. Um, I didn't have a lot of serious relationships. I didn't even have, I didn't even date that many mm. people um, until really I got divorced okay. in my mid thirties. And I was still drinking very, very heavily. And, and alcohol is a huge part of my, my drinking, uh, uh, sorry, my dating, love life, sex, all of that. It's a huge part of it. Yeah. So at the end of my, you asked about my current relationship, but I don't know how to talk about that without talking about all the other stuff. No, go like it needs to, it needs to happen. I'm totally into this. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, I did not, when I, when I hit, got divorced, I didn't, I hadn't been sober yet. And that was really the end of my drinking that year between 2013, when I got separated and 
2000, no, 2012 and 2013 when I really hit the wall with my drinking. And then I was faced with getting sober, but I was also single and like really wanting to be in a relationship or date or feeling like I had, you know, survived, Mm. like I had risen out of this relationship and I was ready to go. And I had, I had a lot more confidence than I ever had before in my body. And I felt more sexual and all these things, but I was sober and I had no idea how to date sober (sighs) or even talk to people, talk to people, talking to people, the very like bare minimum, the entry point. Yeah. Terrible. Do it. Yep. And and aside from the the like practical logistical part of I wasn't going places where where people would you know I always associated meeting people with going out and drinking yeah that's how I encountered many of the men that I dated or liked or whatever, that's what I did with all my social time. And so I wasn't doing those things anymore. So it's like, how do you meet people? Well, I started doing dating apps and uh, eventually I'll skip forward to the relationship I am in now. And then you can ask any questions about the (laughs) in-between part. But we actually, I never thought that I would actually meet like my person on a dating app. I just thought... I would meet meet people, like yeah. interesting people, maybe people that would be friends, some people that would be like decent, but I never thought I would actually yeah. fall in love with someone on a dating app. And I did. I met him yeah. on Bumble. We lived Plug just <laughs> not I know. I tried all of them. We lived like less than five miles apart, but and and yeah. I don't know how we never matched before that because we had both been on that app for years but we didn't yeah. we didn't uh we we both swiped right at the same at the at the same time on May of 2020 and went on many walks and yeah. started dating slowly and then it went quickly after that because we had both you know been in both been married both had kids both been doing a whole lot of dating for a whole lot of years. And we yeah. really kind of knew what we wanted. I was very, I was what, five years sober at that point. So very secure in my sobriety. My book had just come out. Um, so, you know, the first thing you do when you date someone now is you Google them. Of course. <laughs> obviously. Duh. And you Googled <laughs> me and bought my book without me knowing. Um, Cute. He bought it and showed like sent me a picture of it um at his house <laughs> like when he received it from Amazon and I was like oh shit okay well yeah buckle you're up. gonna know yeah. <laughs> a lot more about me than I know about you and that feels a little unfair but I was fine with it um <laughs> and yeah I was in the right place at that time mm. um I guess and so was he and it's been different than any other relationship I've ever been in by a million miles. Yeah. Um, I just, I think I had just reached a place where I was ready. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's a necessity. If you want a relationship, you kind of got to be ready for it. Yeah. But um, I always thought I was ready. I, yeah. I thought I was ready for years and years and years. And yeah. I can see that I very much wasn't ready okay. or and I wasn't even attracting people that were 
that I would actually want to be in a relationship with. I did a lot of chasing people who were unavailable, Oof, you know, yep. circling that um, rejection story for a long time. Mm. And that I wasn't ready when I was doing that. Yeah. I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned attachment like styles or like how, you, you know, we all have attachment styles. Um, what do you think yours was when you were like in that? Oh, chasing it still mode? is very anxious. Yeah. Oh, still is. It still okay. is. Okay. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I've moved. I'm, I, I, I know more about this than I, than is probably even helpful to me, but I am <laughs> that special kind that is both anxious and avoidant. Yeah. Um, oh, hello. Yeah. Oh, you too. Yep. Oh, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. So you, it's situational so chase, though. Yeah, it is. You yeah. chase, 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 and then you get it and you're yeah. like, nope. Yeah. Stay away. Don't mm -hmm. want it. Don't want you. Um, but yeah, it's yeah, interesting um, and tricky. Why do you think you but do I, that? I mean, I know why. Okay. I, I <laughs> Can you lay it on us? Sure. These are the things I know. You okay. Know, I don't know that we can totally know, but these are the things I'm pretty clear on. Okay. Um, our attachment styles are always about our primary caregivers. Yes. Uh, I... But that's and, not to say they, we're not blaming them, right? We're not blaming them. No, I them totally per se. blame them. Oh, you do? Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I I don't blame them. I don't uh I I yeah, I'm fine. I I accept what it was. And yeah. in in some ways my parents were wonderful, in some ways they weren't equipped to be parents. And totally. there was some parts of it that were um really terrible and some parts that were just like you know, they got divorced. Like a lot of people's parents get divorced. Yeah. Um, but then there were parts of it that, that were worse that include mental illness and narcissism and things like that, that really yeah. ratcheted up my, my, my issues later. So for sure. we'll start with on, on my dad's side, you know, I had, um, my dad is a very complicated person. Okay. I would say he is absolutely 100% a grandiose narcissist. And what that looks like for a kid is that you're never really seen. Mm -hmm. You are just a manifestation of their own, a mirror of their own greatness um, when they want you to be. Um, mm -hmm. There are many, many things that that, that entails uh, from a parent, you know, child relationship. But one of them is that you are never seen. Yep. And so I desperately wanted to be seen mm -hmm. and pined for it and chased it. And he is also like many narcissists are very charming, very smart, mm -hmm. very captivating. And when his attention was on you, it was mm -hmm. like the sun was shining on you. And when, when it wasn't, you felt like you were dead, you know, mm. like the, the withdrawal from that attention Oof. was brutal for, for anyone, but for a child, especially. And so, and he was very vocal about his approval or disapproval. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly chasing that, that, that feeling of being seen. Those yep. glimpses of being seen and simultaneously also very dysregulated, um, 
because I wasn't getting a constant, uh, uh, I wasn't getting a steady, unconditional kind of, uh, what is the language that's used? Um, po- unconditional positive regard. Right. I wasn't getting that. So there was, that was my dad's side. Yeah. My mom's side is also very interesting. Um, I've done a lot of learning about love addiction and this concept called mother hunger, which mm-hmm. uh, was coined by K- Kelly McDaniel. She's a therapist uh, who works in the space of attachment trauma and specifically named this concept called mother hunger, which um, focuses on the mother relationship, <clears throat> not surprisingly, and how the disorganized attachment or attachment wounds, or often sometimes even, you know, severe neglect from the mother can result in these really not great um, behaviors later on in life and how you behave, respond to act in romantic relationships. And when I read that book, it was Mm. like, it was very hard to read that book yeah. I'll put it that way. I it took me oh I remember reading it. it was in 2019 and it was like it was brutal. Um yeah. and I recognized a lot of that. So it comes that's where my attachment stuff comes comes from. I mean it, at the essence it's like you're chasing something that you never got and yep. and you also equate that cycle with intimacy. And so you mm. subconsciously attract it and keep attracting it and keep reliving this pattern that's very painful, very dysfunctional. And it can be even, you know, harmful, very harmful to your health. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I I would, a lot of my, the lights went on in sobriety because I started to recognize that I was doing in relationships the same pattern that I did in drinking where I didn't want to be doing the things that I was doing, but I couldn't stop myself from doing them. I couldn't stop myself from chasing, from attracting that certain type of person from, um, with, you know, just obsessing about getting their attention, how I was going to get it, just like I did with alcohol, when I was going to do it, what it was going to be like, and having this, chasing this fantasy that that was a fantasy. And then, you know, when inevitably the shoe would drop going through withdrawal, when I would get their attention, it was like the best, the biggest, best high ever. When I didn't, it was like the, the world, the bottom dropped out and I would go through withdrawal and I couldn't focus on things. My Mm. priorities got all jumbled. I would literally like be in this dissociative trance of like, couldn't focus on work. You could be talking to me and I wouldn't be able to hear you yep. because of the way I was spinning inside. Mm. And yet I functioned, you know, I was like living a functional life, but it got worse and worse yeah. and worse in sobriety because I didn't have the alcohol to medicate it. Right. Yeah. Oof. I, yeah. Everything Kelly that you're saying, calls, I'm like, yeah. Kelly McDaniel checks calls out. addiction from love recovery, like the PhD of recovery. And I totally think that it is because it is yeah, brutal, brutal. Right. And it's also like, this is also normalized. Well, yes. Like, no, so like, like it's, it's almost like funny, but it's like not funny, but it's also like, you know, our ideas. And like you said, these fantasies about love and relationships and how they're supposed to look, how they're supposed to feel like 
no. That's yeah, well, not, that's not. It's, love, it's how actually. relationships are portrayed in movies and right. books, and um, they're portrayed this sort of very intense pining and sort mm-hmm. of this semi borderline abusive behavioral patterns that you totally and and even if it's not abusive it's like um obsession it's a little emotionally abusive yeah that you're supposed to feel this level of intensity and that's what love is and it's sweeping and big and you know you're supposed to be devastated and then elated and Yeah. yeah we that's what i mean i remember reading eat pray love yeah <laughs> as as every woman did probably of my demographic in what 2000 no 19 mm, no i was gonna say 99 it was not that early it was like 2005 six yeah and thinking the david love like oh i know that love that she's talking about with david that desperate love yep and thinking like we all want that but also it's awful and then later looking at it and going that was love addiction like that was not that was fucked up yes like the crashes oh my god no Mm -hmm. but you also don't know what else to do no it's very unconscious it's it's very it's it's a it's a very subconscious pattern that you will just keep playing out until you bring awareness to it and then start to work on it. And it's really right. hard work. <laughs> it's so hard because it also feels really comfortable and familiar. Yeah. And honestly, like for me personally, it's a high. I can oh, yeah. literally feel it like in going up my neck, in my brain, in my body, just being like. <laughs> yep. Like, like that new chase, that new potential, that, yep. that, that person that's that love that's going to save you yeah like oh they chose me they want me oh I'm desirable being the chosen one yes oh oh my gosh I know the story all too well (laughs) yeah most of us do I I, yeah I have found that in recovery I I would say more people face this than not yeah 100 percent to varying degrees you know it's a spectrum not everybody blacks out in a snowstorm going to chase down their their boyfriend because they're sure that they're cheating on him like i did <laughs> but but can't mm, say i've done that but yes yeah some variation <laughs> of that definitely so how did you or how are you working on breaking this cycle mm-hmm I think we can all agree that anxiety is so 2023. Say peace out to anxiety and overwhelm with chill vibe gummies. Made with ashwagandha root, L-theanine, GABA, chamomile flower, and lemon balm, these gluten-free, vegan, non-GMO gummies are the perfect way to change your vibe naturally, and most importantly, safely. Whenever I tried medication for my anxiety, I was always hit with extreme side effects that made me feel paranoid or just completely numbed of all emotions, the good and the bad. Chill Vibe Gummies make you feel like you, just minus the anxiety. Go to vibegummies.com to get your gummies today. That's V-I-B-E gummies.com. 
This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. A common misconception about relationships is that they have to be easy to be right. But sometimes the best ones happen when you put the work in to make them great. Therapy can be a place to work through the challenges you face in all your relationships, whether with your friends, work, your significant other, or most importantly, yourself. My biggest fear is that I was unlovable, that something was just not good enough or deserving of love. My therapist has helped me to see that my thoughts are not necessarily the truth. Therapy has helped me overcome these limiting beliefs that were keeping me in unhealthy patterns in my life. We are our own worst critic, and I love that my therapist reminds me of how far I have come. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out the brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Become your own soulmate, whether you're looking for one or not. Visit betterhelp.com ASGG today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com ASGG. When you change your relationship with alcohol, you realize you have so many hours in the day. I love to dedicate my time to skincare, and Osea makes me and my skin feel and look like a queen. Osea's clean, vegan, and sustainable body care is a glowing choice for achieving your body care and self-care goals. Whenever I use the Andaria Algae Body Butter, people literally stop me on the street. My skin is flawless and glowing, and I love the thick and unbelievably rich texture that absorbs instantly. Skincare is a habit worth keeping all year round. Osea can help your skin have a healthy glow every day. Because let's be honest, skincare is self-care. With over 27 years of seaweed-infused products, Osea is safe on your skin and the planet. It is clean, vegan, and cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified. Never choose between your values and your best skin. Start the new year fresh with clean vegan skincare and body care from Osea. Right now, we have a special discount just for our listeners. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code ASGG at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code ASGG for 10% off. Well, the first thing that I did, it, it first hit me that I, that this was going to like, take me down if I didn't do something to, to, I, I had done a lot, a lot of work in recovery. I stopped drinking. I had done a lot of things as we do, you know, trying to like figure out boundaries and bring more self-awareness into fucking everything we do. And I'd switched careers and I had, you know, left behind relationships that weren't great friendships and such. But Mm -hmm. this was one area where I was like, I'm fine. I'm just going to keep dating and I'm going to just keep going and find the right person. I was just very, I remember Mm. one of my friends in like the second year of sobriety saying like, why don't you just take a break? The Mm. seat, there seems to be a lot going on. Like, cause it would be, there was like constant, like revolving door of men sort of circulating in my orbit. Yeah. And very various dramas. And I was like, I don't want to. Like, I was mm. divorced. I haven't dated anyone for so long. 
I didn't have serious relationships. I didn't really date when I was younger because I was so insecure. I don't want to. And then I got to be about four years in and it was like, I had that actual blackout in the blizzard moment. And I was like, I got home from that. And I was like, it felt like an, it was an actual blackout. It felt like I lost time. Yeah, I put myself in danger. I left my daughter at home alone. Uh, and I was like, this is going to kill me if I don't deal with it. And so what I started to do, I did the steps, the 12 steps. I had not done them yet. And okay. so that was helpful, very helpful um, to get me going and get me to you. One of the things that you do when you do the steps is write down the sexual inventory. And that okay. sounds maybe a little different than it is, but kind of not. It's like a lot of people that fall into addiction have not so great sexual pasts, you know, okay. either putting yourself in danger or, you know, um, cheating on partners or sure. um, doing things that you just went against your integrity or all right. the above, right? Yep. Unwanted pregnancies, all of that. And so you kind of go through that. And that was helpful and illuminating because there was a lot in there mm. that I had even sort of just pushed aside. Oh yeah. Um, we pushed and, that down. Yeah. It's like, who was that? Shit. Yeah. Out of sight, yeah. out of mind. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more painful than I remembered, you know, mm. once I like put it all down on paper, I was like, oh wow, there's not only a lot there, but that was really painful stuff that I went yeah. through from the time I was, you know, in junior high and high school all the way through. That was helpful. I did, um, I stayed, I did therapy like more seriously. I would kind of dip in and out of therapy, jump around. And I did more therapy um, and more consistently and really kind of focused on this. And then Mm. I learned a lot about attachment styles. I learned a a lot about love addiction. Mm -hmm. um, And I got into a relationship. It was one of the, the, few relationships that I have had that was a little longer, which was a year since my marriage. I mean, it was a year long and saw a lot of patterns come up in that. Yep. And that was painful and also helpful. A lot of the the stuff we do to heal is like done in relationships. We can learn all these things and, you know, talk about all these things. But then you, when you get into the actual situation is when a lot of the healing actually happens. That relationship didn't last, obviously, but um, that was a big one. And then I finally, I uh, started to do therapy, this really intense therapy with some, with a therapist who focused specifically on love addiction. Uh, And that was about six months. It was really brutal and really helpful. Um, And that was around two, that, that was in 2019. Okay. Ish. Yeah. yeah. 2019. I remember because I was like, wow. we finished right around the time I was going into um, the end of the year when my book was going to be coming out in a few months. And um, part of what you do in that, in I, what I did in that work with her, um, her name's Jody White. She's uh, amazing. She doesn't do one-on-one work that I know of anymore, but she still does group work. Okay. She lives in Austin. And um, she has a g- great podcast called um, journals of a love addict. Ooh. Okay. I believe unless I totally screwed that up. Okay. Um, but Jody white and Jody white. Yeah. And one of the things you do in that work with her is 
stop dating, stop mm. texting. You mm-hmm. go on a sabbatical from all of it, all of it. A good cleanse. All flirting, all okay. texting, definitely dating apps, like none of it. And I okay. have not done that. Yeah. Definitely since I got sober. I mean, since I got separated, really. And I probably had never done that since I was a teenager, really. Like I always had some fantasizing or flirting or whatever going on. And so it was the first time I'd purposefully stopped doing that. And wow, that was that feel like terrible awful why um i mean it was like pure withdrawal i just didn't have that distraction yeah i didn't have that attention coming in i didn't have the drama i didn't have the Mm. chaos i didn't have the the dopamine hits and the lows and yeah so i was just left with myself And all yep. this work that I was doing. So yeah, that was yeah, really hard. Way harder than I expected. I was like, oh, that's fine. No problem. Yeah. yeah. I didn't realize how much it was consuming me. Right. Mm-hmm. We also don't like aren't, aren't really conscious of like where these little energy leaks are going and like where we're actually getting energy from. Yeah. Like Wow. Yeah. So you went cold turkey. You just. I did. For 90 days. Yeah. Okay. 90 days, cold turkey. And it was very useful. Yeah. And then my book came out like right after that. Mm-hmm. And I kind of was traveling around and I started to, you know, approach. I think I downloaded another dating app or something. And those are a whole other thing. Like for, they, they definitely feed that addictive cycle if you're not yeah. doing it mindfully. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. you know, I, I dated, I noticed that I was behaving a bit differently. Like I mm. was the biggest thing that I can say I was, that I was able to do over time better. Okay. I still don't always do it great, but yeah. the biggest growth pattern has been being more self-referential than other referential. So how do I actually feel mm. about this person, this situation versus how do they feel right. about me? Do they like me? Oh. What what are they thinking? And then responding to that in some way to yes. like get them to react the way I need them to react, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like trying to control and manipulate the situation. Yep, constantly. Whoa. Instead of going, how do I, do I like this person? Do I even like this? Right. Do yeah. I like the fact that they, whatever it is, do I, do I enjoy their presence? Is my body like being in their presence? Do I like the way they smell? Do I yeah. like their, the way they, you know, c- talk in conversation? I mean, yeah. I would register that I didn't like certain things, but then I would just immediately bypass mm. any of that. I'd lay over the fantasy, you know, yep. ignore the person, lay the fantasy over mm-hmm. them, 
and focus on what they were doing, how they were feeling, how they were responding to me mm-hmm. and man- manipulate and control. Mm-hmm. And it was weird to see that I was doing that. It was very confusing to focus yeah. on myself and then to to actually act upon how I felt. Yeah. Even if that meant like, okay, well, this is over or right. I or say if I didn't really like the person that much, it was one thing. But if I did like them, but I didn't like say a way I was being treated. Yes. Then oh. it was very hard for me to say something about that because that risked the whole situation. I was only well, ever willing to say what would be acceptable enough so that I could still be considered, you know, chill and mm. not needy. <laughs> and, oh my God. Mm-hmm. You relate? <laughs> yes. Like 1000%. Yeah. It's almost like you don't want to rock the boat, but inside you're like, wait, this is, this is not okay. Like mm-hmm. there is an alarm going off. Like no, like we are not aligned on this situation at all. And actually like this could potentially cause a major, major issue. Mm-hmm. But so, I'm going to overlook it because. Right. Because. What's the other alternative? Well, you being alone, yeah. being alone and being, alone. being without this distraction and yep. them rejecting you, which that's that's another lie I had to like sort of get over that yeah they a lot of these people were not rejecting me I mean they would tell me from the beginning like I'm not available totally and it's like but I will be the one I will be so I will be the one to change all of that and that was the fantasy always I will be the one it will be different with me and that's like I need to be so great and so special that I could have that power. Totally. And do you think it's like an ego thing that like, I, I'm going to be the one to break this wild horse. Like I'm, this isn't the rule. Like I'm the exception. I don't think it's an ego thing. No, I think it's a, I think it's a very wounded, Mm. um, small child thing. That's like, if I can, fix this essentially right then i will be okay right if i can get you to love me and see me yeah then i will be fixed i will be enough i will be safe all of that mm. yeah because then you will get your needs met of like getting that attention getting that love getting that what you needed right and it has the the fucking creepy thing is it it didn't even have anything to do with that other person like that person no. could be anybody yep so i would often say like these men are so terrible they're so you know but i was being but, kind of terrible <laughs> to them like i'm using you right yeah to get your fix to get what mm-hmm. you needed And like you said, like they would literally tell you, they would spell it out for you. Not available. Yeah. Not, yeah. Yeah. Their lives could spell it out. They didn't even need to say. I mean, right. They were 
in relationships or, Mm. you know, just divorced. Um, Yeah. So that part was also very eye-opening and and creepy and scary and sad, sad. Um, Um, I don't think it's sad. I think it's like actually really natural because like we all have needs, right? Like we all, I think it's like, I, it's healthy. Like we, we have needs, right? We, we, we need attention. We, we want to feel like loved. We kind of want to be attached, but at what point does it become unhealthy? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't well, know. That's the other like thing when that's you start really... using people and manipulating and like literally like bending over backwards to manipulate yourself into this little like box and container to keep this relationship. Yep. That's when it becomes unhealthy, I guess. Yeah, exactly. And again, I'm no relationship expert. You and I, same boat, except I'm definitely not married or getting (laughs) married. (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, there, there was, and I brought that stuff into this relationship too, but I, but I luckily, um, had done a good amount of work and he was a very different type of person than the ones that I was chasing before. Yeah. He was available. He was Mm. someone that I was, I was actually interested in so many of these guys. I wasn't interested in them at all. The second I got them, if I got them, I wanted no, I was disgusted. I wanted nothing to do with them. Interesting. Mm -hmm. It's like that hit of validation or something or like, like hunting for sport. Yeah, (laughs) no, it is. It's, it's, I, I mean, the, the experts would say it's, you know, that it's, that's the avoidant attachment style where it's like, right. I don't actually want into I I I want intimacy. Yeah. But I don't know how to get it. I'm afraid of it. It feels too scary to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really gnarly web to un to untangle and to to cut through. But yeah. yeah, I did with him. I was very interested in him actually, and I respected him. That Ooh. was the biggest tip off. Yeah. Is that, oh, this is someone I actually respect. Huge. I didn't feel that for most of the other men that I dated. I did not respect them. Yeah. Okay. So how did it feel like kind of getting your needs met? Like getting, like having this healthy relationship? Very weird and scary. (laughs) <laughs> terrifying yeah it, it was a pro it is still a process just last night so this is funny <laughs> in I mean in in my day-to-day I, I feel very secure I'm very comfortable I um am very content I'm happy I'm not a ball of anxiety I'm not yeah. obsessing about the relationship like we're, I'm just living in it and it's wonderful and it's great Right. But my subconscious is still working through a lot of shit because sure. I my dreams are so there are very clear themes. And we were just before I got on with you, we were yeah. laughing because it's a common thing for me to wake up in the morning and tell him what terrible thing he did to me 
in my dreams. <laughs> and it's always that he decides to leave and go off somewhere on a trip or yeah. I realize he has been gone and I can't reach him. That's the dream. Mm-hmm. I can't, it, I'm always trying to dial his phone number and I can't quite get the digits right. He's yeah. gone somewhere and I can't get to him. And I don't know. And I, and I know he's mad at me. I've done something wrong. I've mm. usually been drinking and like, there's something that I can't where he's unreachable. Yeah. But last night's dream was a new theme. Ooh. And he, uh, in, in last night's dream, he decided that we had been moving too fast and yeah. And he, um, he had my, one of our mutual friends, uh, a guy that he plays volleyball with, who's sort of like a, a dad figure, like break the news to me in this like kind of smiley way. And, and Todd is my my fiance's name was already gone. He had like decided to go on a trip. It was like, peace. I, we were moving too fast. And I was so like distraught in my dream, just so distraught. I was crying and I, yeah. I was like, but I have this ring. What are you doing? What do you mean we're moving too fast? Like I didn't yeah. move too fast. You wanted this. So clearly yeah. my subconscious is working through some shit. Um, He's like, I don't know when he's like, you're poor, you're poor subconscious. Like one day it's going to catch up. I was like, you're terrible to me in my dreams. He's like, no, you're terrible to you in your dreams. Oh I'm my gosh. Terrible. Yeah. Yeah. So this stuff runs deep. It definitely runs deep. And yeah, like you said, this doesn't just happen overnight. You don't go to therapy. You don't do this like 90 day program. And you're like, oh, I'm cured. No, that's that's also like not the point of any yeah. of this, right? Yeah. Like, well, it, it's also it's the not same possible. But, yeah, but yeah. that's also the same as like trying to find someone to like cure us or save us or like mm-hmm. oh that pu- that puzzle piece just snapped in there and it's all over. Oh, no. yeah. yeah. And then no. what? And then what? Right. Yeah. That's yeah. Wait, it's been happy the- ever after. Mm. I know. I right. Then then yeah, exactly. But I do yeah. I do however think that we don't have to struggle so much at all. Like I don't totally. Like I said, I'm not going through my days anxious. Yes. And obsessing and wondering if we're okay. You know, like I just I'm able yeah. to be at peace in the relationship and give and receive love, but it it took me, I would say, about a year for yeah. my nervous system to like regulate because for that sure. early part of a relationship is so intense mm-hmm. and scary that it felt scary to me. It didn't feel I wasn't settled. And I remember thinking, like, I can't wait to get to the boring part. <laughs> like, I know yeah. people want to hang on to the honeymoon phase, but I am yeah. over it. Like, I am. I am so excited for the part where I like take you for granted for a day. That would be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. I love that. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like kind of bored with you today. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like let's just, I will love that. (laughs) Yeah. Let's just lay it all out there. (laughs) Yeah. God, that is so, so funny. Um, I'm sure a lot of, I definitely can relate to this 
thousand percent. And I'm sure others can as well. It's just, we don't really talk about it. We don't talk about like being anxious. It's like, I don't know, especially in like society, it's like, it's not cool. No, you're supposed to be chill, laid back. Yeah. Very chill and unfazed about the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the most vulnerable but also like one of the more important things that we'll ever do is like learn how to relate to other people and be in partnership whether it's friendship or significant other or you know some people have these feelings with their their kids yeah some people have these feelings at work with bosses like that's come up a lot too or coworkers, you know and so yeah it is it's crucial and it's critical. It took me a long time to admit that I even wanted to be in a relationship like that mm. even was like, ew, ugh. no, I don't, you know, I don't want to be needy. Right. But like being needy is just having needs. I know, but we all have needs. Yeah. But it, for some <laughs> people that's really scary and yeah. n- and not great to admit it feels, it feels gross. Well, especially when your needs haven't been met Mm -hmm. or you've been, um, like reprimanded for your needs. Yes. You've been criticized. It's a much safer place to just say, I do, I don't have them. I don't need them. Yeah. It'd be great to have a relationship. It'd be a nice addition, but I don't really need it. Yeah. Exactly. It's safe and comfortable not to need anyone, but it's also like we're not supposed to be islands. No, we don't. We and it I will say like being in a in a good healthy partnership relationship has been mind-blowing. What has it's changed been, in your life? Um just allowing myself to be supported and be loved and yeah. is and to like I mean, life is is hard to do on your own. Yeah. It's hard. I am very independent. I can do it. But I I didn't realize how heavy it was. Mm. All of the the daily things, all of the the emotional things, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, having being a single mom, you know, it wasn't like I was, I think it's this, we've sort of pathologized dependence on anyone as codependent or you know you're not supposed to need someone you're just supposed to want them and it's like ah we do need each other like sorry we we actually do need each other like I say that to him all the time I need you and it's I have to hear myself say it boy yeah that's scary (laughs) I know I know I know mm-hmm. it is. That's why I say it. Cause I'm like, I need to hear yeah. myself say it. It needs to be okay that I say it. And he was like, yeah, I need you yeah. too. But he doesn't have the same stuff. He has, he has his own stuff, but it's, it's not the right. same as mine. Yeah. It's not, it's very much not, okay. You need to figure all your shit out and then you can meet someone. Like I don't ever no. want to say that. And I don't have it all figured out at all, but I no met one someone. Does. Uh, no, I met someone, but there's this idea that like, you can't love anyone until you can love yourself totally. Yeah. And it's like, that's just bullshit. We heal in relationships. We learn in relationships. I yeah. 
have learned so much. I learned so much before I got with him and I'm, I'm learning so much more in the actual relationship. Mm. And if it's finding someone for that, you can be exactly who you are and that it's not just okay, but it's welcomed and loved and appreciated and vice versa. Mm -hmm. Um, But to me, I think this type of relationship five years ago would have felt very boring and very, there's no way I would have even attracted it or considered it. Yeah. Or entertained it or swiped on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or it would have been too confronting, like, mm, no, I am not ready totally. for someone who's ready for all this. <laughs> yeah. Or you'd be like, oh, my God, he's needy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ew. What? Yeah. <laughs> what a psycho. He likes me. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's what calling back. Ugh. What's wrong with him? <laughs> Give me the guy who will never call me back. Calls me totally. every four days. Right. Yeah. Hundred percent. Oh, Laura, I'm so happy to hear this. Like, this is oh, thank you. So great, yeah, and it like really gives hope. You know, and it's nice to see that you've like done the work, and like it's so, it's scary, and it's like a really brave thing to do. Not a lot of people want to deal with that. No, with themselves. Yeah. I mean. No, I I agree. It is it is scary. For whatever reason, I have always been, I don't know that I'm brave. I've just been like, I want, I want what I want. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I just keep trying is really, really what it is. I try, I keep trying and trying. So love that. Talk to me about push off from here. How did this book come about? Yeah. So this book, uh, the, it's based on these nine points that are okay. actually the epigraph to we are the luckiest in we are the luckiest my first book and the nine things are one it's not your fault two it is your responsibility three it's unfair that this is your thing four this is your thing mm-hmm. five this will never stop being your thing until you face it six you can't do it alone seven only you can do it eight you are loved and nine we will never stop reminding you of these things so that was in the the epigraph to we are the luckiest and it they also became the sort of backbone of the community that i built called the luckiest club tlc um and we say them at the end of every meeting they're very much like a part of our culture and it got apparent over the past few years that people wanted to know like what do you actually mean or what is it what does it mean when we say it is your responsibility or what does it mean when we say something you know that is sort of confusing like it's unfair that this is your thing. Like, how is that helpful? Like we, you, you right. get it, but what, how is that actually helpful? And what does that mean? And how do you use that sure. or practice it? And so the book is a deep dive into those nine things. Whoa. I love that. Thank you. I love all those things. I, I mean, I understand what, what you mean. I mean, they're, they're quite broad, but at the same time, like even listening to them, like, as you just list them off, I'm like, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah acceptance like here we go yes it is my responsibility and like that's so great i really really love that um and the book is out now march 7th march 7th okay and when where will it be available everywhere everywhere 
Yeah. Okay. Anywhere you can buy a book, it should be available. So in Amazon, indie bookstores, Barnes and Noble, all the, all the spots that you go to buy books. Amazing. I love yeah. that. Oh, I cannot. And it's really, wait. it's not focused on sobriety only at all. It's okay. Um, the title is push off from here. Uh, nine essential truths to get you through sobriety and everything else. So it's mm-hmm. really one of the cool things that I heard about after we are the luckiest came out was when people would read these nine things. Cause I'd been posting them on social media and, and things for years, they yeah. would say, you know, I don't, alcohol isn't my problem, but this helped me get through my divorce or it helped me get through my eating disorder or helped me get through cancer mm. or, you know, so, I mean, there, there's nothing in there that's about drinking or addiction or anything. It's just right. getting through things that confound us and hurt. Yeah. I mean, it's changed too. Like these are, change. those are big changes in your life, right? Yes. Yes. That's so awesome. And Laura, where can we find you on the World Wide Web? <laughs> uh, remember when we used to say that? That's funny. Yeah. Um, HTTP. LauraMcCowan.com is my website. I, As far as social goes, I mostly just hang out on Instagram at Laura underscore McCowan. Awesome. Laura, thank you so, so much. Thank you. For sharing your experience and knowledge. Um, this has been so, so great. Thank you for being so honest and open with us. Thanks for asking fun questions. (laughs) How fantastic is Laura? And like she said before, building awareness is the first step to doing any of this work. As always, thank you so much for listening. Please make sure to rate, subscribe, and leave your feedback about the podcast. We love to see your comments. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at A Sober Girls Guide. And don't forget to head over to asobergirlsguide.com. We have tools, tips, tricks for any stage of your booze-free journey. We got your back, girl. Head to asobergirlsguide.com now. <laughs>